0: Well, good morning, and if you have a Bible with you, please turn in it to Luke chapter eleven. We're actually going back to the same passage we looked at last week, although not all of it. I'll Sp- focus especially on verse thirteen. Last week we looked at this passage to learn about the character of God. We learned that we can have great expectations of God because He's a good Father loves his children. This week we're going to focus on what the passage teaches about prayer, which is usually the first thing people go to this passage about, to learn what Jesus has to say about praying. And uh, the reason we're going through this passage at all is because we're in this series called Walk by the Spirit, where we're trying to learn what it looks like to seek God's power through the Spirit that He's given to us. What does it look like to practice that? Dependence. And so up till now, it's been mostly principles that we've been teaching, foundational things. And now we're turning a corner and we're going to start talking about the practice. What do we actually do to walk by the Spirit, to be empowered by the Spirit day by day for what God's called us to? So that's where we're going today. And then the rest of these messages. So let's look at Luke 11, 5 to 13, and then we'll pray. This is Jesus speaking. He said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray so we ask we ask according to your character with expect expectancy for the spirit's ministry right now we ask lord that you pour out understanding Uh, spirit come and be our teacher and grant to us repentance where needed and faith where needed change where needed we We ask that you give us a vision of the glory of being sons and daughters of the Father and all that we can expect and all that we should ask. Show us that today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. When I went to the pastor's college about two years ago for a class on the Holy Spirit, our instructor, Sam Storms, was in the process of finishing a book called Practicing the Power, subtitled, Welcoming the Gifts of the Holy Spirit in Your Life. And in that book, which finally came out, um, he says something that I think summarizes what Luke 11, this passage is talking about, what it teaches us on prayer. He said this, If you want your life to experience divine power, it needs to be a praying life. If you want your church to operate in the full gifts of God's Spirit, it needs to be a praying church. I'll say that again. If you want your life to experience divine power, it needs to be a praying life. If you want your church to operate in the full gifts of God's Spirit, it needs to be a praying church. So in other words... If you want to get victory over sinful habits in your life, if you want joy and peace that you keep even when things get hard, if you want courage to speak to people about Jesus, if you want God to speak to us in prophetic words and in the leading of the Spirit, if you want to see God heal people, Instantaneously, if you want to see God's kingdom come in miraculous ways, you must pray. Bottom line, we must ask God to pour out His Holy Spirit in power in order to see those things happen. I think that's how we apply verse 13, where Jesus promises that the Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Our experience of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is tied to our asking God for it. Power for the Christian life comes by prayer. Walking by the Spirit begins by asking for the Spirit to move. So, let's turn to the passage And see what Jesus says about praying because I want this to be a conviction that we have that leads to practice, that leads to change where needed and expectation also of what God's going to do in prayer. So, four things about prayer from this passage. Number one, we must ask for the Spirit. We must ask for the Spirit. Again, verse 13. If you then who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now, if we think carefully about what Jesus says there, that's a little bit puzzling, actually, because of this simple fact. If you are a Christian, you have already received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. That's what makes you a Christian. That's what makes you different. God dwelling in you, Jesus coming into your life by His presence through the Spirit that He pours out. You've already received the Holy Spirit without measure. You've already received all of the Holy Spirit that you're ever going to get (laughs) because the Holy Spirit is not in parts. He is an infinite being who has said, I have come to take up my dwelling within you. You don't just have part of Him. You have Him. So what exactly is Jesus promising when he says the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let me give some possibilities. One possibility is that he's referring to the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. In Acts 1, the resurrected Jesus told the disciples to wait for the promise of the Father. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So they waited, and they prayed, and then in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes. He is poured out, beginning the new era of God's indwelling presence among his people. So maybe that's what Jesus is talking about in Luke 11. He's saying, okay, there's going to be a day where you're going to be praying, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is going to come. Okay, maybe. That's one possibility. Here's another one, that it's a promise that the Holy Spirit is going to move whenever you ask God for something in prayer. So the context of the passage is the Lord's Prayer, where we're asking for His kingdom to come, and we're asking for our daily bread, lots of different things that we're asking. And Jesus kind of sums it up. What's God going to do with all those prayers? He's going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So maybe what he's saying is, whatever it is you're praying for, God's answer is the Spirit is going to work. Maybe. Here's another option. Is that you ask for more of the Spirit's activity and power in your life, and Jesus promises that God will give it. You are asking for courage to share the gospel. You are asking for healing. You are asking for victory over sin. And God gives the spirit to do that. You're asking for spiritual power, and God gives that power. Which one of those options is the right one? (laughs) I don't think we have to choose. All three are right because at the end of the day, all three are the same thing. The church needed God to pour out His Spirit on all believers at Pentecost in order to be His witnesses and start this thing called the church growing all over the world. And we need the Spirit to come and move in the world and do things because whatever it is we're asking for, it only happens if the Spirit is active in doing it. And we need the power of the Spirit in our lives. We need to ask, I need you, God. I need you to work in me what I cannot do. They're all dependents on the Spirit at the end of the day. We need divine power. And Jesus says, you can ask for that. And God the Father will give it. You can ask for the Spirit to be at work, to empower you, to do what needs to be done. Whatever it is, the Spirit is the answer to everything. (laughs) He gets involved in all the answers to our prayers. So we have the Spirit of God without measure, but we aren't always experiencing all of the power of the Spirit that we could be experiencing. That is reserved for asking. Power comes through prayer. Power comes by asking the Spirit to move. And I think that's why Sam Storms is right when he says, if you want your life to experience divine power, it needs to be a praying life. There are things that God simply will not do unless we ask him to do it. James 4.2 says, You do not have because you do not ask. I'll come back in the last point to explain why sometimes we ask and we still do not have because there are reasons but note this Jesus would not encourage us to ask God for the spirit unless it really matters that we ask unless there was actually an experience of his power that he will give you if you would just ask for it that has to be why these encouragements are in the Bible now Does God sometimes give things without our asking? Absolutely. Did you ask for your next breath? God gave it to you. (laughs) Every day, all day, God is doing things for us that we're not asking for. Because he's gracious, because he's merciful, he's so generous. If we really would stop to think about all the things that God has done in our lives that we didn't even ask for, We would have to say, You are a gracious God. Our tendency is to focus on those 20 things that He didn't do and say, You're not gracious. But that's our problem. That's that's not the reality. The reality is bigger than that. Look at all that He's done. So, yeah, He gives things without asking. But there are many breakthroughs and victories of the faith that he won't give unless we pray. And that's because God is a good father who teaches us to depend on him for everything. Praying is a way to practice our dependence on God and resist the idea that we can go it alone without him. It's a teaching mechanism. He withholds some things. So that you get the idea, you know what, I'm supposed to go to God for that. (laughs) Every day I'm supposed to go to God for that. So he'll withhold some things to teach us a a lesson about him. There's an illustration in a book by H.B. Charles that explains this. H.B. is this great preacher from the South. I think he was at last year's conference. He wrote a book called It Happens After Prayer. And in that book he tells this story it's, I think, just an illustration. I don't know if it really happened, but a boy and his dad are riding their bikes uh, down a path, and they come to a place where a large tree branch is blown across the road, and so they have to get off their bikes and move this thing, and the dad says to the, to the little boy, move that branch out of the way, and he stands there and lets the boy give it a go, and the boy gets up to that thing, and he's yanking and pulling, and it's not going anywhere. And he kind of gets a little bit frustrated. Um, and his father says, you can do it, son. You just have to use all your strength. And so the boy gives it another go, and he starts yanking on that branch, and it's still not moving, and he's starting to cry. And he says, Dad, I can't do it. And the dad asks, did you use all of your strength? Yes, the boy answered. No, you didn't, the father replied. You didn't ask me to help you. What are the obstacles in your path, friends? What have you been trying to move without success? God is teaching you something in that. He's saying you haven't used all of your strength because you haven't asked me about it. You haven't really depended on me. You're still trying to give it a go without me. There there are things that won't move without God's strength, and we have to ask Him for it. There's personal breakthroughs. There's lives changed. There's miracles that can happen, but which won't happen unless we ask. We have to ask God for the Spirit. He's promised to give us the Spirit. That's the first takeaway from His teaching. We need to ask. Here's the second one. We must keep on asking. (laughs) We must keep on asking. That's the point of the first example Jesus uses in this passage, the friend at midnight. So he has to go to his friend at a very awkward hour and ask for something, and the friend doesn't want to do it. And so he keeps on asking until finally the friend gives in. There's actually another parable just like that. It's called the persistent widow. It's in Luke chapter 18. There's this woman who has an enemy, an adversary. is doing wrong things to her, so she keeps going to the judge and asking for him to do something, to intervene, and he won't do it. But then finally, he says, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. <laughs> Do you think that's an interesting parable? Is God like that judge? Is he like this frustrating person that you have to keep banging on their door and finally they yield? The point of the parable is just that if even an earthly judge like that, even if a guy who doesn't have a heart would eventually give in, won't God do that? And he is much better than this earthly judge. Way, way better <laughs> A father who loves you. In fact, that was the point of the parable. Jesus said that it was so we ought always to pray and not lose heart. Because this God is not like that that judge. He's even better. You can impose on him, if you will. He's ready for you to do that. We must keep on asking. And that's hard to do, isn't it? It's always been hard to persevere in prayer. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, for example, he knew that shortly he was going to be betrayed, he was going to be arrested, he was going to be crucified for our sins. So he brings with him his three closest disciples, and he says, you stay here, and I'll walk over there. And he's going to be alone with his father for that time before all this goes down. And he comes back to the disciples. He had told them, pray and watch with me. But he comes back, and they're all sleeping. And he says, could you not watch with me one hour? Just one hour. But they couldn't do it. It's pretty easy to quit praying. Especially praying things like, your kingdom come, or hallowed be your name. Or praying for the Spirit to move and bringing people to faith in Jesus that God would make his name famous In our community, lots of things interfere with our persevering in praying those things. Physical tiredness can be an issue, no doubt about it. I had many prayer meetings in college at 6.30 in the morning where we were on beanbag chairs. And you'd wake up about 20 minutes into it and go, What were we talking about? (laughs) I think the bigger hurdle is spiritual tiredness, or better said, spiritual unbelief. We just don't think it accomplishes anything. Or we really don't care all that much that God's kingdom come and that his will be done. We might pray very diligently about our daily physical needs, but that priority of God first isn't always there. And if we don't really care about his kingdom coming, then it's pretty hard to keep asking God to pour out his spirit because that's what the spirit is for, for the mission. And if we don't care about the mission, well, how are we ever going to persevere in asking about that? I find that the hardest thing to keep going in a church is a regular prayer meeting. It just is. But I can also tell you this, it gets a lot easier to persevere in prayer when you see God answer. When you see him actually do things, when he actually pours out his spirit, when he changes things, when he performs miracles, you're like, I'm in. Okay, let's do this. Sometimes he doesn't answer until you've kept on on asking. In fact, I think that he will often withhold his greatest gifts, his greatest victories, the most impressive breakthroughs, for when we cry out for a long time, that he would move in a mighty way for the sake of his name. Because that's training us. It's, it's testing our hearts. What do we really want? What is an important enough to us that we would keep coming over and over and over again? And after a while, if you keep coming to him with all of your personal stuff, just the thing that's about you and not about the kingdom, and you realize he's not saying yes to that, it makes you think, well, what would he say yes to? Oh, I know. Your kingdom come. Hallowed be your name. The mission. The church going forward. Okay, I'm going to get my heart in line with that, and I'm going to keep praying for my daily needs. But it teaches us persevering, waiting, having to keep going at it over and over again. God is training us. He's changing what's on our hearts, and he's aligning it with what's on his heart. And I think that's where he wants to bring in the power and the breakthrough, is after that persevering for a long time. I think of this example I was reading about in a book by Mark Batterson, I think his name is. He wrote a book on prayer called The Circle Maker. He has a church in Washington, D.C. And uh, he recounts a story of how they purchased some property in the city that they wanted for ministry. So one day he's walking, he's on Capitol Hill, he's walking through some area where there's a crack house. Not a good building, but in a really good place. (laughs) And he, the idea came to him, this would make a great coffee shop. This is a perfect location because he realized, you know, a coffee shop is like a modern-day watering hole. You know, when Jesus met the woman at the well? Everybody has to go there, right? And that's where Jesus intersects with the community. People gather at the watering hole, and that's where ministry can happen. And he says, you know, a coffee house... I think that's what, what, that's what God wants us to be doing, is to have that as part of our outreach. So they start praying for this building, and it's going to be millions because it's in a great location, even though it's not a great building. They prayed for eight years. They walk around this building, they lay hands on this building, they make it a habit, they're going to keep praying and praying and praying for this building because they think, and they have the sense, and God's not saying otherwise, this, this is for ministry, this isn't for drugs anymore, this is so that the word of God can go out. Eight years! Then the millions came in. Then they sold the property to them, even though other people offered more than they were offering. And now it's one of the sites for their church to meet in. It's an outreach for the community, and it's rated the number one coffee shop in Washington, (laughs) D.C. That's a bonus, I suppose. But I suppose you need good coffee for people to come in. There's a lot of options out there. God will do that. How do things like that happen? Persevering. Your kingdom come. I think this is part of what that looks like. So we're just going to keep praying. If we don't get any no answers, if we don't get any sense that this is not what we're supposed to be praying for, we're just going to keep praying and we're going to ask. We're asking for it. And God eventually gave it to them. What great things might the Lord do among us and in our city if we ask the Spirit to move and we keep on asking Him? Who knows what five years, ten years could look like? Who knows if we won't have our own crack house story to talk about? We prayed for that thing. We kept praying for that thing. And now it's here. Nothing will be impossible with God. Bottom line is that asking for the Spirit to move is not just a one-time deal. It's got to be a lifestyle. Like Sam Storm said, if you want your life to experience divine power, it needs to be a praying life. It's not just you're praying for something and then 10 years from now you see if that happened. It's about persevering. It's about going to God over and over and over again. Pour out your Spirit. Work here. And he will. Brings us to the third observation about praying, is what we must ask with expectancy. We must ask with expectancy. I won't spend a lot of time on this because that was last week's message. But this is especially the point of the illustration of the child who asks the father for a fish. Jesus said it would be shocking if an earthly father answered his child's legitimate request with something harmful instead. Even earthly fathers are inclined to give their children what they need. And in contrast, God is the way better Father. If you've put your trust in Jesus as Savior, you've been adopted as a son or a daughter, you're an heir of all of his good stuff, you've become his responsibility, and he's made certain promises to you to give you all that you need to live out his calling on your life. And then there's that summary promise in verse 13. The Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. So when you ask God for the work of the Spirit in your life, when you ask persistently, when you ask and don't lose heart, Jesus says, Be sure the Father will give you the Holy Spirit. He will act. You can expect to receive power and his activity. The whole point of this passage is to convince us that we have a God who answers prayer. He knows that we need divine power. And he's there to give it. I love Psalm 103, 13 and 14 on this. It says, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. I love that last phrase. He is mindful. He is aware. He totally gets it. That we are but dust. Dust doesn't have a lot of strengths. (laughs) Dust blows around. It's of the earth, and it returns to the earth. That's a picture of the humble origin of man whom God formed from the dust of the ground, Genesis 2-7. Our raw material, if you will, is not impressive. Yet, though we are of such humble origins, God has made us his beloved sons and daughters through Jesus. He has compassion On those who fear him. He really does care, and he can give us no better gift than the power of the Spirit working in our lives, and he promises that gift. We can have great expectations of God. Mary reminded me of this as I was writing this sermon. I was struggling with faith again, and I'm doing it more out of duty than delight more out of obligation than expectation. And she came into my office and said, I have great expectations of God for this sermon. Optimism is Christian. You said that last week. (laughs) (laughs) I needed to hear that again. (laughs) It's online, yep. Can't get away from it now. We must pray with expectation. That's what it looks like to believe Jesus. For me, it looks like asking the Lord to help me preparing a sermon and then believing that that help will come. And help has come. Help comes. Help has come several hundred times, in fact. And I have this tendency for it to all leak out for the next week. But believing, practicing belief, believing his words instead of the moment, That's the Christian life. Expect God to pour out His Spirit as we seek first His kingdom. And that's exactly what was modeled by the early church after the apostles were released from custody in Acts chapter 4. I mentioned this prayer before. It deserves another look. Acts 4, 29-30. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Notice how they pray there. It's not, grant us boldness to speak about Jesus. And it would be really nice if you would heal a few people along the way. Sort of to give some proof or whatever to our message. And um, some signs and wonders wouldn't hurt either. (laughs) No, that's not how they pray. It's grant us boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed in the name of Jesus. It sounds like they were expecting these things to happen. There's going to be healings, there's going to be signs and wonders. We're asking for boldness. We absolutely need to have that. But as we're doing it, as we're obeying you, as we're depending on your power, you're going to do stuff. <laughs> we know that while you're doing it. That's the wording that they used. We don't always pray that way, I don't think. Not with that kind of expectation. Often when we pray it's more of a hope than an expectation. We qualify our prayers with things like, Lord, if it is your will, do this or that. Now, that's not necessarily a wrong way to pray. The leper came up to Jesus in Luke chapter 5, and he says, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus said, I will be clean, and he healed him. So that can be an expression of humility, of not demanding something, but leave it in God's hands so I don't want you to feel self-conscious if you pray like that. But I think that the phrase, if it's according to your will, that can also work against us if we pray that way all the time. Because can't we sometimes know that it's his will? (laughs) Can't we sometimes say, grant us boldness while you stretch out your hand? with an expectation that it's really going to happen, can't we just expect God to move and to answer? I think we can. I think Jesus is encouraging us to pray that way. You can be sure that if something is not God's will, he's not going to do it, (laughs) no matter how much you ask him. What we might need more is to learn what His will is and then pray according to His will, with confidence, with expectation. And just ask for what we know He wants to do. And know ifs about it. And there's a way to know what is and isn't according to God's will. Number one, you get to know His character. You believe that He's the person in Luke chapter 11, this better friend, this better father, who gives better gifts, someone whose door is open, somebody who is willing to be entreated, somebody who is not going to turn you away. You start by thinking, that's the actual God that I'm praying to. <laughs> he, he doesn't have this. his hands up saying, get out of here. He's, his hands are going this way. Come to me. Come to me. Tell me what's on your heart. And believing that he's good. It's believing you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's what was driving those people in Acts chapter 4. Power is going to come. Power has come. Things are going to happen. God is here. So we get to know his character. The other thing we do is we get to know his promises and, fi- and pray according to promises. You know, So if you're, if you're in need of something... It's absolutely something you have to have. I don't know what it is. You know, you're trying to pay off something. You, you need food, you need shelter, whatever. There's a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, so we say, okay, Lord, I believe you're a God who doesn't forsake me. You say so. You say you won't leave me, so here's what I need. And expect something's going to happen. We can pray expectantly. We should. Jesus wants us to. But it depends on knowing God better, getting the mind of Christ, understanding what his will is. Sometimes we're going to get it wrong. Sometimes we're going to ask and it's not going to happen. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't pray confidently. Now, there's one more thing to say about praying that has to go along with this expectancy. This is the last point. We must not ask with presumption. We must not ask with presumption. Presumption is when you assume God is going to do something even though you don't have any clear promise from God that he's going to do that exact thing. For example, you see an advertisement for a great Christian conference in Florida and you think, I, I think I'm going to go to that even though I don't have the 500 bucks for the plane ticket. But I, I'm going to go to that. And so you buy the ticket online, and you just expect God's going to provide the 500 bucks. Because this is a good conference, right? And why would God have any problem with that? So I'm going to go, and I'm going to buy the ticket, even though I don't have any money. He's going to to bring in the 500 bucks. And then the bill comes in, and you don't have the 500 bucks. And you go, what's going on here? (laughs) Presumptions going on there. There was no explicit promise in the scriptures that he's going to give you 500 bucks to go to Florida he has principles yes you can expect things yes but the exact thing that you're saying I want you don't have a specific promise about that you can't just act as if oh yeah he's going to do it because I want it this is sometimes called name it and claim it theology if I have faith that it's going to happen then it will happen I'm claiming healing in Jesus' name, and so you are healed. Things like that. So it's no longer about whether something is God's will or not. It's about my faith. It comes back to me. My faith is the game changer, not God. Well, this passage warns against that kind of presumption. And you see hints of it in the surprise ending of the passage. Jesus had been talking about asking for God's kingdom to come and asking for daily bread, encouraging us to expect to get what we need from God. But the only specific thing that he promises the Father will give is the Holy Spirit in that whole passage. He doesn't specifically say, if you ask God for a fish, he will give you a fish. He just promises if you ask for a fish, he won't give you a serpent. The only thing he promises specifically that he will give is the Holy Spirit. So your needs will be met, and God is going to move, but it might not be exactly what you are asking for. You can't just name it and claim it. And there's a couple reasons why we don't always get exactly what we're praying for. One reason is that we have wrong motives in asking. James 4.3 says, You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. See, to you, the thing that you want seems right. It seems like, of course, God will give that to me. It's a good thing. But it's really not about God's kingdom coming and his will being done. It's about our pleasures. It's really about our various forms of idolatry, things we want more than God. And it's not good for us for God to strengthen our idolatry by giving us what we want even when what we want is not a bad thing in itself. If the motive is, it's just all about me. It's all about my pleasures. Because he's a loving father and he knows our hearts better than we do. He knows what we should and shouldn't have. And when he withholds a good thing, it is because not having that good thing is the good thing we need. So we can't just claim things to be ours because we prayed for it, because we don't always see our own motives clearly, but God does. And sometimes he says no because of that. The other reason we can't be presumptuous about what God is going to do is that we don't know the secret will of God. Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. So God has secret things. God has purposes and plans and strategies that he hasn't told us. So we might ask for something that looks like, obviously, this should happen or I should get that. Clearly, this is necessary for the kingdom of God to advance. And he says, no, actually, I have a different plan. I just haven't told you what it is. God has revealed in his scriptures many things about what he's done and what he is doing and what he's going to do, but he hasn't told us specifically what he's going to do in any given moment. So we know that God will heal people physically. We've got all kinds of examples of that in the scripture We've got reasons to pray for that. Paul prayed for healing for people. But we don't know if he's going to heal Sally today from her pneumonia. We know that God will save people from their sins, from every tribe and people and nation, but we don't know if he's going to save your next-door neighbor. We know that God has promised to supply our needs, but we don't know if he's going to give you enough money to fix your car this week. There are just going to be times when everything looks good and right and our motives are pure so long as we know. And God says, no, I'm not going to do that. I have my reasons. You just have to trust me on this one. So we shouldn't pray with presumption. We have to leave room for the sovereignty of God. And we have to remember what Nebuchadnezzar said in Daniel 4.35 about God. He does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? He does according to his will, and its will is not always known to us. <clears throat> now we might wonder, well, how can I pray with expectancy about anything then? <laughs> how can we have a sense that something is actually going to happen that we're asking for? If things are like that. I can't know my own motives. I don't know what God's doing in his secret will. So how can I be expectant? It goes back to what we've already said. We believe what Jesus says about God's character. He really is a good father. If that thing that you are asking for is necessary for your well-being and for the kingdom of God, you will have it. So that's expectancy. It's not... 100% certainty, but it is confidence. We can pray with confidence and expectancy without having absolute surety of what the thing is that we're going to get because of his character. He really is good. He will never act against our best interests. We can really be like the kid who goes to his father who's a good father and they just kind of expect nine times out of ten. You know, he's definitely, he's, he's, he's susceptible to giving me what I want. <laughs> you know, we have this certainty, sort of, a, a, a confidence, I should say, with a good dad. So it's his character that helps us to pray with expectancy, but also his promises. The more you know what God has actually said I will do, the more you can see, does this thing I'm asking for line up with that or not? Is this consistent with how God operates in the world? Is this consistent with what he said? I will do this. Because the more that you can see your prayer requests falling in line with God's promises, the more confidence you're praying according to his will. And 1 John says if we pray according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the thing that we've asked for. It's according to his will and you know if it is or isn't because you know the promises of god so when i prepare a sermon and i'm asking for god's help i'm pretty sure he's going to answer that at least after mary comes into the room and reminds me (laughs) because it's not just my pet project it's not just my thing that i want to do it's a calling it's a it's a responsibility And God has said, this is how I want to speak to my people. So get in your seat and get in front of your computer and start writing and expect me to help you. I can be pretty confident about that, that help is going to come, because I know it's part of his will. Let me close with this. Uh, To quote Sam Storms again, if you want your life to experience divine power, it needs to be a praying life. If you want your church to operate in the full gifts of God's Spirit, it needs to be a praying church. So we want to put this in practice as a church. We want to be praying and praying together. So Tuesday night we had our advisory team meeting and we talked about different ideas because we are asking, and we want the full range of the Spirit's activity among us. We want His power to be known. We want it to be known that God is really among you. We want to experience transformation and breakthroughs. And we know that praying is part of that. So we have ideas. One is, bring back the prayer ministry time that we used to have at the end of services. If you were here five years ago, I guess probably, in Rangeview and before that, it would be regular that we'd have people available. In the front of the church after service, to pray for healing, to pray for whatever you need. We want to have something like that. That's that's one possibility. That's really one of the things I hope to get from Mark prater's weekend here is training on how to develop a team that's kind of available. Um, another one was gathering for prayer on Sunday morning before this meeting, and just praying and asking God. Meet us today, lead us, make us open and receptive, any kind of changes you want to make. Um, we're still going to plan, <laughs> but Lord, what we've got this plan, but what, what have we missed? What do you want to insert? What do you want to take out? We might have a prayer time for that in the morning before service. And another idea was to start a Wednesday night worship and prayer meeting. I was jokingly calling it the holy fire night. but just another format, another venue that maybe is not quite as structured, but still with structure, still with oversight. But we we can really pursue God and really pursue the Spirit and really um, practice growing in the gifts like prophecy. Um, We are thinking a Wednesday night or something like that meeting Where we can do that and bring in, you know, worship, bring in different gifts, have a different format. We'd really like to do that. I put that idea past some of our young adult leaders on Friday night, and they were good to go. That was all thumbs up. So I think we've got people that are actually interested in helping it pull it off, which is key. (laughs) Pray with us about these things. The last thing we want is to go through a whole series on Walk by the Spirit and nothing changes. So, we need to have formats where we can pursue. So, pray with us about how things are going to change and how we can incorporate more prayer together um, so that we can see the Spirit work. And meanwhile, practice your daily dependence on God. Don't wait for a prayer meeting. Pray every day, depend on God every day. Let's pray. I know, Lord, that this is a topic that nobody's hearing for the first time. And we could really easily just kind of dismiss this now and say, okay, good to know, I've heard that. I'm asking you, we're asking you for that not to be what happens. I'm praying, Lord, that you would give us an expectation and the practice, the doing of prayer. It's hard to watch and pray for even one hour much less to keep on going for months and years. Your power is available for that, though, and we ask for that, Lord. And we we look forward to how you will answer. We look forward to your promise being fulfilled, that you do give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Give us eyes to see those answers as they come. They will come. And may it be for our joy and for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.